When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Sunday, July 9th. This is episode 217 of Southern Speed on the CLNS Media Network. Filling in for Larry H. Russell, I'm Evan Valenti. What an eventful time right now to be a Celtics fan. It feels like, you know, you and I, we last talked last week. I was a part of, I was the guest of last week's Celtics beat. Shout out to Larry H. Russell for having me on the show last week. And my name is Evan Valenti. For those of you that don't know me, uh, at E-V-A-N-V-A-L-E-N-T-I on Twitter. And, you know, last week I woke up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I did the show with Larry and I was cr- a little cranky. Yeah, because I'm working up at 6 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Uh, but I was still a little cranky about the missed Paul George trade and I, I really kind of was still bitter, still salty about that one. And since then, I feel like a whole bunch of stuff has happened. The Celtics got Gordon Hayward. Fantastic. The Celtics' third overall draft pick, Jason Tatum, looked pretty great in his first couple summer league games. Jalen Brown looked great in his first summer league game. Not as well as in his second. and took the third one off, obviously. But there's been some downs, too, as a Celtics fan. They had the departure of Avery Bradley. The departure of Kelly Olynyk. It's been a, a roller coaster of emotions, if you will, uh, as Celtics fans. And I got to tell you, this past week has really shown us at a part of CLNS Media how crazy you guys are for Celtics content. I got to tell you, we love putting it out all the time, and the Celtics give us reasons to put it out all the time. We have I have a show called CLNS, uh, Celtics Roundtable on CLNS Media Network, right? We we did a, a, a show right after Avery Bradley was traded, and Jonathan Ignall did uh, a part of the show eating lunch in his car. Like, he took his lunch break and, in his car while eating our Chick-fil-A, I think. He was doing a show. Like, the fact that you guys crave this content so much is the reason why we do it all the time. Do we have Mark Murphy coming up in just a second? We'll get to that in a minute. But before we get to any of that stuff, just some housekeeping things, things I need to tell you about. I need to tell you about HelloFresh. It is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around a half an hour so that anybody from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time that can make tasty meals. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantities needed so there's no food waste and they employ two full-time registered dietitians on staff who review each recipe to ensure it's nutritionally balanced. They deliver food to your doorstep in a recyclable, insulated box for free. And now they're offering light summer meals and have just introduced breakfast options, which happens to be the most important meal of the day. Loyal listeners of this show and CLNS Media get a very special offer. Get this, because you're a loyal listener to us, use the promo code BEAT30 for 30 bucks off your first week of HelloFresh meals. Again, support this station, this podcast. Try HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com, enter the promo code 
beat 30. Other things I got to remind you about, folks, CLNS Media is growing by the day, and we just acquired Bob Ryan's Boston Podcast, just added it to our, our, our cavalcade of shows, if you will. Make sure you subscribe to this one. Make sure you download the CLNS Media app. You can find his podcast on our app. Legendary Boston sports writer Bob Ryan, he'll sit down with a new guest every week to talk about all things that matter to true Bostonians. Past guests include Kevin Cohen, Larry Lucchino, Lou Merloni, Jackie Mack, Hubie Brown, and more. Check out Bob Ryan's podcast on the CLNS Media app. CLNS is all over Summer League right now. Insane atmosphere out in Vegas after the first couple of days. Make sure you get the best, the most up-to-date coverage. Just follow CLNS Media on Twitter at CLNS Media. We'll have all of our content there. Jared Weiss, Nick Gelso, a couple others out there tweeting like crazy, uploading tons of stuff. Make sure you get caught up on all of it at CLNS Media on Twitter. We're on YouTube as well. Make sure you get that subscribe button. You hit that thing. Click it. Tell your friends. You get caught up with all the content we're pushing out there on a bunch of different podcasts almost every single day. And speaking of podcasts on CLNS Media, little shameless plug here. Check out my own podcast. It's called Celtics Roundtable on the CLNS Media Network. I host that show alongside Matt Ignall and a rotating cast of characters. Jonathan Ignall, Jonathan Levy, Sam Sheehan, to name a few. Got a couple other guys that kind of join in as well. We just added, we just added Alex Kungu from Celtics Blog to our roundtable, and it's expanding by the day. So make sure you check out at CLNS Roundtable, a part of the CLNS Media Network. Again, with myself, Matt Ignall, and a whole bunch of crazy other guys as well so let's get to the reason why you're here it's for mark murphy he is the one of the Celtics beat writers for the boston herald you can follow him on twitter at murph m-u-r-f 56 here's mark are you out in vegas yeah (laughs) is it deadly hot out there uh it was 115 yesterday oh my god how do you oh man dude i could you couldn't even go outside yeah, you know what? I'd rather it, it feels more comfortable to me than what I get back home. Really? Oh, but you know, ninety-five and sixty percent humidity is murderous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's similar out here in the Berkshires. It's a little bit cooler out here. I'll, I'll be honest about that. Yeah. It's a well, little yeah, true. A little more of a breeze out here in the Berkshires, but uh, uh, the humidity is is nasty sometimes. Uh, you know, eastern Massachusetts uh, can be like Florida. Yeah, <laughs> I remember I used to do. Uh, I was doing uh, minor league baseball um, in the the uh, New York Penn League short season A. So we have the little spinners okay. uh, in that league, and I used to talk to some of these kids. From Texas, we'd have kids from, you know, TCU and Texas A&M and all that fun stuff. And I'd always yeah. talk to them and they'd be like, God, you know, it's it's Albany, New York. It's Troy, New York. But you would think playing in Albany would be easier than playing in Texas. Yet right. He, right. He, it's it's such a drier heat in Texas. It's much easier yeah. to play here. It's yeah. like you, you set foot on the field for warm-ups. And all of a sudden oh, it's, yeah. you know, you want to <laughs> – you're dripping in sweat. Yeah, actually, the Cape League on a really bad day could be brutal, I'll bet. Yeah. Oh, well, oh yeah. It's, I, can, I can't imagine. I never did Cape League games, but I can only imagine uh, how bad that yeah. is. Yeah. Actually, I did uh, I did a few features on them on the Cape League back in the day, and it was, uh, it was actually gorgeous. So, you know, it, it's when the weather's right down there, that is just 
great baseball to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's top-notch for sure. And we're talking with Mark Murphy uh, of the Boston Herald. He is a Celtics beat reporter for the Boston Herald. You can follow him on Twitter at Murph, M-U-R-F, 56, out in Vegas watching the Boston Celtics Summer League team. Uh, and before we get into the Summer League stuff, Mark, I do want to talk about some stuff that affects the actual roster. Um, Avery Bradley moving on to Detroit and with a second-round pick in 2019, I believe. And before we get into how this actually affects the roster, just want to get your thoughts on your on your favorite Avery Bradley moment. Because my my favorite one that that uh, of everything that Avery Bradley's done in his career, my favorite moment for him was actually the last game of the Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett era, Game Six against the Knicks inside the TD Garden in the fourth quarter, Boston down twenty plus points, almost came all the way back and a down of four. And a big part of that was Avery Bradley picking up Raymond Felton full court, all 90 feet of the floor, caused a couple of turnovers both in the Boston offensive zone and their defensive zone. He was a big part of that comeback. It was one of my favorite games to watch. It was the last uh, of that amazing run for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Mark, do you have a favorite Avery Bradley moment? Uh, The one that comes to mind is when he kept popping his shoulder up and he stayed in the game. He... uh, you know, he, one thing that I don't think people realize, they look at, you know, the guy had a lot of injuries in his career, including before he even joined the Celtics during pre-draft workouts. And he, but he was a tough kid. And I'm going to pick, I forget which game it was, but it was 2012 on the way to the finals. And he, his shoulder basically pops out of joint and it's been going in and out for, you know, the better part of a couple of weeks. And he signals he has to come out. Doc starts to send somebody else in. And then all of a sudden, Avery just pops it back in again. It's no, I'm good. And he stays in the game. I mean, that's the kind of player it was. Yeah. Tough nosed guy comes from a, you know, again, that, that background with Kevin Garnett. Paul Pierce, you kind of, you know, some gritty guys. Again, remember his earlier career, you know, he took Ray Allen's starting job because Ray Allen just wasn't hacking it defensively, and Avery was so good from the jump uh, on the defensive side yeah. of the ball and got better every single year. And this is some of the things that you, know, you get some of these 19-year-olds coming out of college now, and you, you can say the same yeah. thing maybe about Jason Tatum. You can definitely say about Jalen Brown is, you know, the, the, they're far from finished products. They all have things to work on. But, again, it's, the, right. the, it's up to them to find ways to get on the floor. Avery Bradley could make his impact on the floor just by being a defensive presence. You know, for Jalen Brown, you know, defensively he gets lost sometimes off the ball. Um, but is his, you know, his elite, elite athleticism is in both ends, but especially in transition is what sticks out. You know, Jason Tatum, when he gets to the, 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 the pros, finally makes his debut. Right. You know, his scoring ability is to keep on the floor. But there is something to be said, and there is something valuable about a guy who every offseason gets better at something. And that's the yeah. one thing that you can and say the, about Avery is he got better at something. Every year. Well, the thing about Avery was, um, again, going back to his early years, they tried to make him a point guard, and Doc, just Doc was adamant that he couldn't play the one. And I think that became pretty apparent, you know. Avery's great off the ball, but if Avery has to handle the ball too much, that's when you start throwing the ball away. And they sent him to Israel during the lockout, and 
Doc loved to make a big point about this. They they wouldn't even let him play point guard in Israel, you know, which apparently they didn't. They, uh, you know, put him off the ball there. But he, I think he developed that part of his game. You know, he was a competent ball handler by the end. But the other thing was he was just so streaky as a shooter and scorer. And by last year, I think last year, if you look at his numbers, I think he was one of the best two-way off guards in basketball, you know? Yeah, that's uh, the... when you When you put in his his defensive ability, but also that jumper, he, he finally became a consistent scorer. That could be, that was frustrating three years ago when they were swept by Cleveland in the first round, and Avery just could not buy a shot. I forget what his percentages were, but he... You know, he just wasn't steady, but from that point forward, he really developed his offensive game. I thought. Yeah, the three point, and, the three pointer and he later on to the back cuts, yeah. onto the back cuts. Yeah, I and mean, he's he's just such a great off ball player. You can remember the synergy with him and Rondo. He was again. You mentioned the back cuts. That was kind of one of the things that first emerged in Avery Bradley's offensive game. Then it was the you know the pin down at about the elbow on either side of the elbow that he could really you know get a, get a good open look from there and be comfortable shooting from that area. Then he you know brought it back to three point range this year. It was a spectacular high thirties you know from three point percentage this year. And again, it's just it stinks because you know this is a guy. He was the last connection. You know, Boston Celtics fans had that last championship team. And now, I mean, you've seen the, the pictures all over the, all over social media. You've seen the statements about it. Marcus Smart, now the longest tenured Celtic. You look at that, a picture of the Celtics four years ago and nobody on the roster then is on the roster now. It's like, it's, it's unbelievable what Danny has been able to do in a short amount of time with the things that he was given has been able to right. transform a team that was w- towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference, got yeah. Marcus Smart, and now they're part of the top of the Eastern Conference. But that's, uh, you know, you're starting to see the wealth of those picks. You know, Jalen Brown, now you've got Jason Tatum. I mean, that is your future, and you're able to layer that underneath your veterans like Horford and Isaiah. It's really, you know, their bench is going to be all young talent this year. Yeah, it's a little, and it's, and we'll get into that in a little bit. It's a little, um, not, not, not uneasy. It's not an uneasy feeling. It's high end young talent, but again, it's young talent. And in the NBA, a lot of these young kids, again, really don't even know how to play yet. And we're talking with Mark Murphy, the Boston Herald. He's a Celtics beat writer for the Boston Herald. You can follow him on Twitter at Murph, M-U-R-F 56. And before we get into the, the next casualty of the Gordon Hayward signing, there was a lot to do about, and especially in the media about Boston, we're going to sign and trade, maybe offering up Jay Crowder uh, as a piece to make this deal work with the Celtics. And I always thought that was kind of insane. I, and as much as we've you know lauded and bragged about Avery Bradley, he was the most logical choice of all the players on the Celtics roster to trade away. I think a lot of Celtics fans, at least smart ones, realize that. But the Jay Crowder thing, I never really got. Mark, when did you know that this Jay Crowder thing was all nonsense and the real target here for the Celtics in terms of making enough room for Gordon Hayward, it was really supposed to be Avery Bradley. Well, Avery's money was a much better fit, you know. Um, with Jay, it would have been, you know, they probably would have had to also do something else. 
if they went through with that sign and trade involving Jay, but they also wanted value for him. And Utah never gave him any value. Um, I I talked to somebody, you know, the the whole Hayward actually had to request that to happen to make it happen, but he did. And his agent was sort of pushing for this thing to happen, but um, no, the and they were having they were having trouble getting value for Avery too, just because you know expiring player. They know they're trying to get rid of him. Nobody was offering anything. It sounds like Morris was the best they could have got. I actually think they did okay there. I, don't, I think Marcus Morris is a decent piece to get back again for an expiring contract, um, which I think now is becoming valuable again in the NBA now that the cap has kind of settled down to more where it's not going to have that huge $20 million jump. You know, it's going to be, you know, maybe go up a million or two here or there the next couple of years. It's not going to be that massive jump. So those expiring deals now become more valuable. And another casualty of this Gordon Hayward signing is Kelly Olynyk, And again, he had to go. I think everybody realized he had to go. At least Kelly had game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals against the the Wizards, a moment where you can say, okay, Kelly Olynyk for once, I mean, he's had some value throughout his career, but for, for the one time the Celtics really needed him, uh, he stepped up in a really huge moment and propelled them into the next step into that Eastern Conference Finals loss under the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, and you look at the roster now, and they're trying to reshape it sort of on the fly here. There are more moves to come. But they're clearly going to miss the outside scoring threat from Kelly Olynyk. I know as, as, as it frustrates Celtics fans and, and media personalities to death to watch him sit in the three-point line and pump fake guys to death. But let's be honest, his scoring threat from the outside was something that Boston desperately needed with the way they run their offense. Now, they're going to add Jason Tatum, who's going to be a guy that might be able to fill it up from three-point range. Morris has that kind of range, but is a streaky shooter. You know, those two guys coming off the bench should be able to replace the scoring role that Kelly Olynyk had as the sixth, seventh guy uh, in the rotation, this first or second guy off the bench. But, however, with new pieces coming up, I'm still a little scared about their bench. I know they're going to stagger minutes with Hayward, Isaiah, and Horford to make it a little bit easier on some of these guys, but I could easily see Boston's bench unit, their second unit, still struggling to score. Do you see that same problem, or am I crazy here, Mark? Well, I think it's a problem for more than just that. I mean, they just get too many guys in the same position. I I know they're big on this basketball without positions thing, you know, and Stevens is a very strong believer in that. But you've got to, none of them are particularly good rebounders. And I think they still need a big of some sort. I mean, unless, you know, the argument about Morris is, well, he played next to Andre Drummond's, and that's, you know, that's why he didn't have better boarding numbers. Maybe that's true. Maybe he is a better rebounder in this setting than he was with Detroit. But I think, uh, you know, they, they need another big. Um, that's, that's the next step they take, I guess. You know, they have a mid-level that they can offer thanks to the savings they get on the cap. But, yeah, I just see so much duplicity in the front line right now. But maybe that is the way the league's going. Yeah, look at Golden State, and it's hard to, like, everybody's like, oh, look at Golden State, they don't have a rim protector, they don't have a lot of rebounders, and that, I think that's crazy, because you look at their, their crunch time lineup, guys that play out of position, quote-unquote, in Durant and in Draymond Green, 
those guys right. are top, what? I mean, Durant's the second best player in the world, probably, right? And then you have a right. Draymond Green's, what, a top 15 player in the world? They have four top 20 players in the world yeah. on their roster. You can't compare what Boston's trying to do to Golden State because Golden State's talent is just significantly better than theirs. Well, the thing about Draymond is uh, he's a defensive player of the year candidate. And, he, you know, he is the very best. I mean, he's a very unusual player. I know every team is trying to sort of recreate him on their own roster, the Celtics with Crowder. But, um, you know, that, he's, he's a tough defensive customer. He's, that's what makes that work. Yeah, and and Boston, of course, is going to have to reshape this roster a little bit more going forward. You mentioned the yeah, big. I mean, Alex, where do they go there? What, any idea of well, what they might try and do with that MLE that they currently have? How do they try and fill out that back end of the roster? Well, I think they're going to try and uh, get a big. It's any targets in mind? Know, have you heard anything? Uh, I can tell you who I'd love to do, but they probably won't get him. Is uh, Deadman. He had a huge he had a huge uh, year for the Spurs this year. I totally agree with that, but I think it's a little too pricey. Supposedly, Golden State's going after him. Oh, like they need another player like that? Come on, Golden State, leave some for the rest of us, man. Come on, yeah, that's not fair. It's, but the thing the thing is that uh, you know you don't need you don't need an all star. You know you what you need and. I started saying this to people back in the first round of the playoffs. What they need is a guy like Robin Lopez, just really solid, who who boards and can hit the occasional open jumper and is an efficient player. And now now they've got a little balance in the lineup if they get a guy like that, but I'm not sure where they're going to find him. Yeah, there aren't too many of those guys walking around anymore. A lot of those guys are, are, are sort of locked up on very affordable deals. I like Alan Williams of the Phoenix Suns. I think he's a guy that finished in the top 10 percentage of total rebounding percentage. Um, mm-hmm. Thomas Robinson is a Lakers guy, so there's no way they get a hold of him. Uh, Deadman's obviously a guy you want to bring in. Bogut's always a question mark because he's so hurt all the time. Again, he's a great rebounder, a great role player, played with Golden State, understands the way that Boston probably would want to play basketball. Mm-hmm. But that injury history is awful. And it's hard to invest money in a guy that, that might not play. I mean, look at what the Cavs did. The Cavs had him for what thirty seconds, and he was out for the rest of the year. Yeah, but um, yeah, but you would have to work another deal. But if you really want somebody, you know, you find a way to work a sign and trade with Dallas for Nerlens Noel. Well, that would that would be something. Well, ne- Nerlens Noel coming back home uh, to the to a, a state where he sh- he was uh, an awesome high school player, and I know he's kind of yeah. split time between New Hampshire and, and Massachusetts. But that would be a really attractive yeah. piece. So it gives him a young center that can that can pick and pop, yeah. not pick and pop, but pick and roll, pick and dive. Um, is an unbelievable defensive yeah. player in terms of garnering steals. He, his steal rate. For a guy that size is like sort of unprecedented. He's he would definitely fit their mold defensively. He has a very limited role offensively that he could shine in. Um, you know the the Eric Spolstra talks about how they used to use Chris Anderson um, on offense back when the big three played with Miami. He mm-hmm. stayed in this little box on the offensive side of the ball and basically yeah. ran from block to block. That's it. And he was there just for dump offs, tip dunks, you know, lobs, and that was it. That's a good, yeah, Chris Anderson. I mean, 
But I think with Nerlens, you know, and he used to be when he was in Philly, he had hands of stone. The guy could not catch anything. He was, it was basically four and five offense when they had him in the in the lineup. But he seems to have improved a little bit on that. You mentioned diving to the rim. That's that's a big skill for that's something Brad Stevens loves in the big. So if he can work on that and they have the kind of coaches where they could help develop him, I mean, I think he'd be a terrific fit. Yeah. I, I, I just worry about the money there and, and how much money you'd have to well, actually it would. invest. I mean, you, you know, then, you know, you, that's where a guy like Crowder would come back into play again. That's why I don't think Danny's done. Yeah. And a lot of people have speculated that, including your, uh, your colleague at the Boston Herald, Steve Bullpat. Um, we're talking with Mark Murphy, the Boston Herald covers the Celtics for the Boston Herald. You follow him on Twitter at Murph, M-U-R-F 56. Obviously the big move of the summer, Mark, getting Gordon Hayward into the Celtics locker room is going to be a big player for them. Uh, you get an all-star talent like that who's still getting better at, you know, his prime age at 27. It's a no-brainer. Um, Stevens, obviously the connection there is, is, is goes beyond stating at this point and you understand why it's an attractive piece for Boston. But the one thing about Stevens that I really like and one thing that I think is the mark of a good coach is how he can take one player find what they're good at and you know accentuate their strengths. You look at Jordan Crawford. Here's a guy that I again I think most casual listeners would have no idea who Jordan Crawford is, but Brad Stevens brought him in to his Eastern Conference player of the week, I think one week, um or maybe the month, I don't remember exactly how that went down. He got paid and now is out of yeah. the league. You look at Evan Turner, brought in Evan Turner after being cast off from Philadelphia from Indiana, comes into Boston on a very affordable contract, plays a role for them, excels in that role gets paid and goes to goes to Portland. Isaiah Thomas, I think, is a, another example of this. Now Isaiah was already good when he was in Sacramento. He was averaging twenty a game. Went to Philadelphia, no, not Philadelphia, went to Phoenix. Uh, uh, got in some interesting disputes with some management there in terms of how they wanted to use these three point guards. They realized that they couldn't have three point guards in the team. Danny pounced on that. And and I think you know it'd be silly to discredit the fact that Isaiah Thomas has gotten better on his own because he has he's put the work in, no question. But Brad has found the best way I think to utilize him on the offensive end and how to figure out how to make him work defensively. I think Brad gets a little credit in that regard. So when I look at Gordon Hayward and you see this guy that they get from Utah, who had a a great run in Utah, was coached by a great coaching staff under Quinn Snyder, uh, was the last of the Jerry Sloan era over there in Utah. But you see Brad and you see what, what, what Hayward has become. There is a, if there's another level to Gordon Hayward's game, Brad will find it. And I think I'm going to hypothesize here, Mark. I think there's a, there's a time and a place where Brad uses Gordon Hayward as a as a point guard, and that's when things sort of get really fun for the Celtics. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward more to the three point shooting. I mean, he should step in and automatically be the best volume three point shooter they have. I mean, well, him and Isaiah. What am I saying, right? But yeah, yeah let's give it a little credit. But but it's uh, I think he. He's he's his three has really improved in the last two years, and I'm kind of anxious to see how Brad uses that. 
And he's a good defensive player. He's an underrated defensive player. And when you play in yeah. Utah with Rudy Gobert, who is, you know, one of the best defensive players in the league, the best rim protector currently uh, in the NBA, you get a little overshadowed. But if you look at Hayward defensively, he's very good. You know, in one-on-one situations, you know, off the ball, you probably can get a little better just because everybody can get better defensively off the ball with the exception of maybe Marcus Smart. You look at what Boston has done now. They have Isaiah Thomas. They have Gordon Hayward. They have Al Horford. Is this enough? In your estimation, in terms of star power to beat the Cavaliers, I think the I think the Celtics, in terms of matching up with Cleveland, if they're going to beat Cleveland, it's going to be with their depth, um, being being able to spread out the minutes of I I T and Al Horford and, and Gordon Hayward. But the guys that they can bring off the bench are going to help. But you look at these two teams; everybody's trying to debate. You know, can Boston compete with Cleveland now? Can they, Mark? Um, they're still going to get killed in the glass, and that's. Until they can solve that problem against Cleveland, they're not going to win. Yeah, uh, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, both of those guys uh, are just, a huge problem. They just, you know, but it'll be interesting to see how much they actually give time to um, Yabu this year. You know, because he he stacks up as their best interior guy if they can... Um, you know, if they can get him going, if he responds well enough. Zizic, I think, after seeing him, it's, you know, it's just three games, but Zizic is just so raw offensively. He has no ball skills on an M- He does not have ball skills on an NBA level. So, The he, one thing uh, I like about Zizic is he's a guy that understands that he is going to see time on the floor just by being able to rebound the basketball. So he goes after yeah, every rebound like his so, life depends on it, but he can't do anything else right now. You're right. No, no. He, uh, you know, he had a jumper blocked by another big, his, whose name I forget, at the foul line the other day where he had no lift on his jumper and the guy just very casually went up and got the ball. You know, it's, He's shown some footwork, but he he really needs to work on his offense. I uh, but he'll by default right now he's going to get minutes. Normally he would be spending the year as a red claw if they didn't have such a need at that position. Right. Now I'll get you out of here in this last question, Mark. And we're talking with Mark Murphy, the Boston Herald, and he's a beat writer for the Boston Herald. You know, the one thing we'll always go back to with this past draft, obviously, is the Mark Helfold's Jason Tatum. You know, Danny traded from one to three, picked his guy, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Whatever you thought about that trade beforehand, I think you can now throw out the window. Jason Tatum's played a couple of games in Summer League, and as a guy that, I mean, I didn't like the trade because I just had watched so much of Mark Helfold's, and I was so sure of it that this guy was going to be. A, a big player in the NBA, and all of a sudden that changed when Danny was, you know, must have seen something in their workout. Did you hear anything why Danny was was so hesitant on taking the guy that everybody had a rated number one overall on their draft board for months and decided, no, we like this guy better a little bit? I mean, I know Jason Tim has skill. I want to get to that in a second. But there's something must have happened. Danny must have seen something to say, nope, I'm I'm positive the guy I really want, Jason Tatum, is actually better than this guy. Yeah, and uh, they haven't said anything about it, but you also have to wonder how much this has to do with whether they're going to make a commitment to Isaiah after next year. Um, I think they thought their backcourt was in in pretty good shape. They liked the way that Terry Rozier has come up. Um, 
brought, you know, and the, the thing that's sort of muddled here is how much did they like Jackson? I think, uh, you know, this, that whole weird thing with the workouts, you don't know how, mu- how much that affected them not liking him because the kid projects is just a front court monster when he hits his peak. You know, he can't shoot like Tatum, and Brad values anybody who can um, shoot the basketball. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about the Jackson element in it. They might have actually liked him better. And, you know, you've seen Jason Tatum a little bit so far, and the one thing that surprised me so far is actually he seems to be a little more athletic than I thought he was coming out of Duke. Now, he had an injury at Duke for a lot of the year. He had, I think, a sprained foot and had to deal with that for the early part of the year. Started coming on late in the year. You know, during the ACC tournament, I think he averaged about 20 points a game and towards the end of the year was really starting to hit his stride. You know, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer has mentioned how that Jason Tatum has clearly gotten better since his, you know, the end of the year. Uh, in at Duke, and his his first couple of games in Utah were were quite eye opening. Except you know the last one, I think he was a little tired; they were a little beat up. Um, but his first two games, he was he was legitimately uh, excellent. And you look at him, and he, I looked at him and said, "Wow, you know maybe maybe he is a little bit more you know game ready than I believed he was because he looked a little bit more athletic. Uh, that first step looked a little bit faster. I mean, we all know the jumper is great, and the and the moves he has, especially with his back to the basket, are, are very very polished. He hit one." In the second game, towards the end, I think of the first half, at the the Paul Pierce designated spot, the the uh, left elbow there, and and backed somebody down, hit a Dirk like fadeaway. You know, it was nothing but the net. It was a, a an excellent move for a nineteen year old to have. And I, I've walked away from three games and said, you know what, I, I I I there is definitely enough here for me to pick this guy, you know, over some other guys. I've I've seen enough to say, okay, I'm I'm really intrigued here. What are your early impressions of Jason Tatum, Mark? Oh, extremely impressive. I think uh, I'm amazed at some of the shots he gets off. I think I know the one you were talking about that uh, from the left elbow. That that was a very tough shot. It looked like he was out of the play. It, that that night, um, though, he he got a little taste of something from Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell knocked him around a little bit. Uh, got really up underneath him and probably played the first real, gave him the first real taste of NBA level defense. And, you know, as Jerome Allen said after the game, he's going to have to get used to seeing this the rest of the way. And what Mitchell did was he got physical with him. And that's going to happen when Jason steps up to the next level. Defenders are going to see very quickly because of his slender frame that they can be physical with him. So he that's that's going to be maybe his first big adjustment. But again, summer league competition, he's been tremendous. Yeah, and I've I've definitely uh, enjoyed watching some of the other guys too. Jalen Brown's gotten a little bit better. Um, and watching a guy like Semi Ojale kind of figure out how to how to be effective on the floor has been really fun. Yeah, yeah. and that's uh, what, what do you think, Abdel Nader? Uh, you know, Nader's funny. Nader, to me, the thing about Nader is he, this is a guy that knows that he has to score a lot to make the roster, I think. I think he understands that in order to, to really shine here, he really has to hunt for his own shot. And I think a lot of the times Boston tries to, you know, 
play this this offensive style that they're used to playing at the NBA level, but you have a bunch of guys that don't know the, the system yet. So it's a it's advantageous to a guy like Nader who's been in the system for a year, and he goes out and I and I love it because he goes out and hunts his shot. Um, but I, I'm not totally sure if that's the best case for Boston, like as a team. But for for Nader, it makes a lot of sense. He he he's an interesting guy, but he, and again. You mentioned shooting is one thing that gets in the floor with Brad Stevens. The other side of that is defense gets you on the floor with Brad Stevens. Right. And, and a lot of times, especially in that last game against Utah, you'd watch Nader, and he'd look lost on defense. There's a there's one at one point. I think it was Donovan Mitchell in the second half had the ball, or it was Dante Exum? It was Dante Exum top of the key? You know, drives gets yeah. by his man, and Nader's right there for help defense, and literally just watched Dante Exum go by him. Didn't take a step near him at all or anything. And I was like, Nate, you know, I understand that Boston needs offense. They need guys that can shoot the basketball, and Nader is supposed to be pretty good at that, and and shown it in the D League is for well now the G League is his first G League year. He was the the rookie of the year uh, in the G League, but. In order to get some time on on the Celtics roster, you have to also play the other side of the coin. Like that's why Jalen Brown got pulled so quickly out of so many games for the regular season because he wasn't defending his position. And if you're not going to defend your position out there, and you're not going to add uh, instant offense like a guy like Isaiah Thomas can do, or a guy uh, like uh, like maybe Ger- Gerald Green could do last year, and he was a guy that was supposed to come off the bench give you instant offense in a minute. If you can't do that and you're not going to play defense, then there's no reason for you to be on the floor. So for Nader, finding offensive rhythm is important, but on the other side of the ball, you have to at least be competent, no? No, and too many guys play his position right now. Yeah. Um, he's, in, he's in kind of a frustrating position just, you know, in terms of he realizes, actually I talked to him the other, the other day and I'm going to write a story on him either today or tomorrow about this, but He's he's one of these positionless guys. He knows that's where he's going to get his chance. But right now he's playing to get noticed by other people as well, even though they have his rights for another year. Um, now, I, the guy I find interesting is Shimmy Ojale because we were he, he did a lot of switching and did it well. He was he found himself on point guards quite a few times over the last three games and they couldn't shake him. They couldn't get around him. He's got very good feet. He he can hit the three. He's shown a little bit of it. And I think he's going to be a guy who can really help on the glass if, they, if he develops the right way. Yeah, he's got this ridiculous body for a guy his age. He looks like... I, I, I look at him and I think about Bill Belichick, and Belichick must look at him and say, "Man, I really missed out on this guy because he's just an absurd athlete. He's got a forty-inch vertical. Yeah. He's you know what six seven, six eight, two forty. He looks yeah. more like a defensive end than he does a basketball player. So you got to think oh. if he can't cut it out for the for the Celtics, he might just have to you know get on uh, the the highway there, drive down to Foxborough, and talk to Bill Belichick because he's he's just a, yeah. he's a monster. Yeah. No, he, he's he's terrific, and he's. He's got he's got a lot more polish on his game than Zizic, for example. Uh, you know, Shem, he's he's an older guy. He he's a four year college dude, but he he's uh, the experience shows. He's he's a little more polished. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. That's Mark Murphy of the Boston Herald. He's a Celtics beat writer for the Boston Herald. You can follow him on Twitter at Murph56, M-U-R-F. He's out in Vegas. Give him a follow on Twitter. Follow him along as he covers the Celtics during their last summer league stint before the big offseason, of course, uh, a little offseason training, and then, of course, leading up to the start of the NBA season in 2017. Thanks for taking some time to this today, Mark. We'll talk to you soon, sir. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that'll do it for episode 217 of Celtic Speed right here on CLNS Media. I want to thank you guys for tagging along today. I'm Evan Valenti signing off. It's E-V-A-N-V-A-L-E-N-T-I on Twitter. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Larry H. Russell for letting me do this show today. Of course, you know, filling in for Larry is always fun. I love doing this show. It's a fantastic way to connect with you guys. Again, make sure you check us out. My Celtics podcast on CLNS Media is called Celtics Roundtable. It's a bunch of us. Matt Ignall, Jonathan Ignall, Sam Sheehan, John Levy, Zaire, Lucky's Pipe, and more all on the show. And Alex Kungu, the most recent addition to the show, part of Celtics Blog, now joins us every single week as a part of the roundtable. I want to thank my CEO and founder, Nick Gelso, my executive producer, my man, Larry H. Russell. Big shout-out to staff writer, Eddie Santiago. To Steph Blake Rateau and Chuck Dietz for doing the music for me. We'll see you guys next week. Larry will be back in the newest edition of Southwick Speed right here on CLNS Media. Have a great weekend, everybody.